Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Well, what's up? Are you well? How are you guys doing? I was telling the 915 service, this is like different for me, because over the last few months, we've been just preaching and talking to just a camera right here. You know, and like last time I preached, Shelby, my wife, she was like, you were like very serious. And I was like, well, jokes don't land when nobody's in the room, right? I don't know if it was funny for you, like sitting on the couch, but I doubt it was, right? Well, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Tevin Sims. I get the privilege of being the groups pastor here. Something I enjoy doing. I love what I get to be a part of, and I'm so excited what God is doing in and through this community. And I just want to take this moment uh, to thank our pastor, Pastor Brandon, for this moment, this opportunity. Yeah, we can give it up for him. He's an amazing leader, and he, he, not, he doesn't just talk the talk, but he walks the walk. And I'm so grateful for your leadership and what you mean to me and my family. And um, if you're new with us today, I just want to say a special welcome to you. I hope that the, what you hear today encourages you. I hope that you're built up. I hope you hear good news. Um, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that we can continue this journey together. So go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 25, and then verse 35. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be behind me on the screen. Verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And in verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for these moments that we have. God, in these moments, I pray that what we all hear is less of me and more of you. God, we need your Holy Spirit in this place. Jesus, we need changed hearts, changed perspectives. Let us leave this place thinking of you more, singing more to you, praising you for all that you've done. God, we ask that you would just change us, that we would walk out of this place different. So God, less of me and more of you, we pray that you're glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, I am aware that there are some students in the room, so I want to be extremely careful with what I'm about to say next. I wasn't a huge fan of school growing up, okay? All right, I said it. All right, I wasn't a huge fan, and the reason why is because my excuse is I just didn't like sitting in a classroom for hours on end. I didn't like sitting in a desk most times. I'm a pretty large guy, so those desks were usually small. And uh, I know in high school, one of my favorite classes was music appreciation. This is what music appreciation was. We had a class with the band teacher, and so the band teacher said, hey, I'm going to attempt to teach you guys in this music appreciation class how to play the drums. That lasted for about two weeks, because I think he knew and we knew, bro, this isn't happening. 
And one day things changed. One day he just sat in his office the entire class. He didn't say anything to us. We didn't say anything to him. He just ignored us, and somebody had a pack of cards, so we just start playing spades every single day in class. That's how my education was at Greenwood. <laughs> going to high school, going through high school, that was, and honestly, in that class, what ended up happening is I would uh, actually go in and say, hey, Mr. Healy, I'm here. I'm present. I'm at school today, so you can mark me present, and I would just leave and go to the gym and play basketball. So in, high school, in college, some of my favorite classes weren't actually connected to my major, Actually, uh, I took a class with Jody Ruff, Jody and Brian Ruff there in our church, their son Bobby and his new fiance, uh, Emily, there in the church. Now, Jody is an instructor at College of Charleston, and I took uh, aerobics and step aerobics with Jody. So, yeah, I know I paid money to do that. Yes, I did it. Don't judge me. But what I got from the class is I have now amazing dance moves from the Zumba that I can use at weddings, you know. So very practical learning right there for me. I still use it to this day. Now, growing up in school, there was a time when I would get instantly engaged in school is when the teacher would say, this assignment is a group project, a group project. Now, some of you are already thinking, I hate group projects. I didn't like group projects. And that says a lot about your personality. And we're going to talk about that in a second. It's okay. But I loved group projects. And I believe group projects are just a reflection of the society that we live in. I believe typically in every group, there's three types of people. You got the talkers. You got the doers, and you got the helpers. Now, the doers, they are the type A people. people got a doer right here. The doers are the type A people who really care about their grades. They're the one when the teacher says, hey, we're going to do a group project. They're the ones that say, hey, can I be in a group by myself? I don't want anybody's help. I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, you know, they think that their ideas are the only and best ideas. I'm not bitter. I'm just being honest. Then you got the helpers, Right? The helpers are the kind and considerate people in the world. They're the ones in the group project. They'll do whatever it takes so that the group can advance. They're usually good at a lot of things. Uh, They don't do much of the talking in the group setting, but they actually should do most of the talking because they're the kind ones and supportive ones. If you're a helper in the room today, we love you. Helpers everywhere. And then you got the talkers. Now, the talkers, mm, they don't really bring much to the table, guys, in the group, right? They're kind of a distraction. We got a talker over here, Jason right here. Talkers don't do much but just talk, right? Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, Tevin, which group do you fall in? Because I seem to fit in every single group. But the truth is, I was a talker. I was a talker, which meant this. I learned early on as a kid that, hey, most people don't like public speaking. They don't like standing in front of others. So, hey, I'm just going to take the pressure off of everyone in the group, and I'm going to be the one that does the class presentation. I'll do it. I'll sacrifice myself, right? And so then what that also means is, Because I'm doing the class presentation, don't expect me to help with notes or research. Like, I'll be at the meetings. I may or may not be at the meetings, but I'll be there and I'll bring a good time. You know, you get a group of doers together, project, again, type A people, all their ideas are the best ideas. It's going to be a little frustrating at first, but it'll be really done, right? You get a bunch of helpers together, it'll be smooth and be done. Talkers, nothing's going to get done in that group, right? Nothing's going to get done, but they have a good time. I tell you, we have a good time in there, right, Jason? We don't go anywhere, but where we are is awesome, right? I love group projects because everybody did what they're good at, right? And if you are here today and you're saying, I do not like group projects. I didn't like it growing up. I don't like them now. I can do bad all by myself. That's not going to go well for you in life because the truth is, truth is, I believe life is one big group project. Life is one big group project. 
Now, I believe that we were created by God for a relationship. First with him and then with one another. I can prove this biblically. You go back to the beginning of time in Genesis. What does God say? Let us create man in our image after our likeness. What is God saying? Who is he talking to? God, us, our We believe in the Trinity. We believe that we serve one God who has expressed himself in three persons. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each with distinct roles. All right, so God within himself is a community. God within himself values relationship. And since we are made in the image of God, and I believe every single person in this room today has been made in the image of God, that means by default, we are relational beings, right? And it's important as we look at Hebrews, we understand the context of this letter. So many scholars have argued that they don't know who the writer is. They say it might be this person, it might be this person. We don't actually know, but what we do know is that this writer is writing to a group of Jews, Jews who have decided to follow Jesus. And these Jews, they would have grown up in Jewish faith and Jewish culture. They would have grown up by the time we get to them in Hebrews 10, that they would have grown up trying to keep 600 plus laws. They would have used animal sacrifices to cover their blood. They would have done these rituals, gone to the temple, all these traditions, and they hear the good news of Jesus. And they find out that Jesus is the point of it all, that the laws were only temporary, that the animal sacrifices were only temporary, that Jesus came and he fulfilled every single law, and that it's no longer about animal sacrifices, but he will be the one sent for all sacrifice for our sins, that Jesus Christ came and lived a life that you and I could not live, died the death that you and I should have died, and now if we just believe receive and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we can now have right standing with God. That is the good news. That's what, the, that's what these Jews heard. And they said, "Woo! sign me up. I want to follow Jesus. And so they start to follow Jesus and everything is great. And, and then, and then the other Jews who haven't decided to follow Jesus, they start picking on them. They start writing mean things on Facebook about them. And they start saying things on Instagram, they start unfollowing them and, and posting things. They start trolling in the comments and they start blogging about them. Then they started physically abusing them, flogging them, blogging and flogging. That's a terrible combination, right? These Jews are now being persecuted for believing in Jesus. And these Jews think to themselves, hey, this is actually really hard. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I didn't sign up for this. What are we going to do? Let's actually, let's go back. You know, let's, let's actually, we believe in Jesus. We love Jesus and everything, but let's also do a little bit of the animal sacrifice and a little bit of the traditions and rituals. Like, it's not that bad. We'll just have a little bit of both. And the writer makes it extremely clear in Hebrews that he says, either Jesus is enough or he's not. Either he's enough or he's not. And so these Jews, they want to go back. They want to give up. And this message today, if you have felt over the last few months or if you have ever felt While following Jesus, like giving up, let me just say this first. You are normal. We can all have a sigh of relief. All right? You are normal if you have ever been following Jesus and you felt like giving up. Maybe your marriage is struggling right now. Maybe your kids are unruly. Maybe maybe your job isn't what you want it to be. Maybe you aren't as far in life as you thought you should be by, by now. But if you've ever felt like giving up, this message is for you. And maybe for you today, just like what this writer told these Jews, You need to hear me say, don't give up. Don't go back. Stay the course. Stay in the story. And so if you have never felt that way before, though, what I want you to do is take this message and just store it in your heart for a rainy day. Because mama said there'll be days like this where it'll be challenging. It'll be tough. Life will be hard while following Jesus. 
And so we're going to reread those verses that we just read. We're going to try and see if we can pull out some group words. I'm going to try to show this to you and see if we can pick up on a reoccurring theme. All right, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Did you pick up on the theme? For those who weren't paying attention, let me say it one more time. It's we, us, we, us, our, our, us, our, us, one another, together, one another. The writer makes it extremely clear in Hebrews 10 that it's supposed to be us. Is this supposed to be our? Is this supposed to be we? This is supposed to be together, and this is supposed to be one another. Here's the good news. Here's what this means. When me doesn't feel like it, then we can swallow up my me in victory. When I feel like giving up, we will not give up and my I gets lost in the we and I remain. I know some of the stories in this room and I can see some of these faces right now and I know what you have been through and I can invite people up here one after another and have them share what groups have meant to them, the relationships that they have found in this church. And what they'll tell you is that because of the relationships they had, the friendships that they had, when they felt like giving up, when they wanted to go back to their old way of living, people in their life would not let them give up and it saved their life. So I believe in community. I believe that there's power in a us there's power in a we and an hour and a together and one another. And I believe that that power is strong enough to keep me, you and I from giving up. If you've ever felt like giving up, I want you to hear me say, I believe community is God's design for us not to give up. It's God's design for us not to give up. And, and the, the writer says, let us, let us. And again, this is a group project. If you've ever felt like giving up. If you've ever felt like going back and going back to what? Going back is not necessarily the better place, but emotions are real and we just feel like just throwing in the towel. If you've ever felt that way, there's three things that I believe that we can do from this writing that will help us not give up. The first is this, reading in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What is the writer even saying there? Sometimes we can open up the Bible and maybe read it, and sometimes the original language can intimidate us. We don't necessarily understand, and we have to remember that this writer is writing to a bunch of Jews. They would have been growing up doing rituals and sacrifices, so they would have understood this original language. Don't get so much caught up in the original language, but try to go beyond that and understand the essence of what the writer's saying. Let us draw near. What does that mean? That means let us... Go to God. If you feel like giving up, the first thing that we can do together is let us go to God. Let us go to God. Right? So in my life, what I've learned, one of the most practical ways that I can go to God is through prayer. Just talk to God. Talk to God. And what I found in my life is there's a trend. Typically, when I need to talk to God the most, when I need to go to him the most, I actually don't go to him. When I need to pray the most, it's actually when I don't pray. I actually pray the least. 
See, it's easy to talk to God and sing praises when life is good, but when you're in the valley, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're discouraged, and sometimes you don't feel like you feel like giving up. And what I found in my life is I just want to give up and I actually don't want to talk to God at all. But I need, when I don't feel like talking to God, I need some us that's going to go to God with me. Here's what that looks like. Steven's sitting here on the front row. Let's just say Steven and I are in a group. We're friends, right? When I don't feel like praying, when I don't feel like going anymore, what I need is I need Stephen and I need some other people to call me out. And then you say, Tevin, we're going to go to God. I'm coming over and we're going to pray. But I don't want to pray, Stephen. Well, we're going to pray. You don't have to say anything. You're just going to sit there. You're going to listen. I'm going to pray for you. I've also invited Justin and Andrew. Andrew, they're coming over. Wait, what? Yeah, they're coming. Okay. I gave them the GPS. They know where you live. We're coming over. And I'm going to pray. And Andrew's going to pray. And Justin's going to pray. And then we're going to go to lunch. I don't want to go to lunch. Well, we're going to pay. Okay, I'll go. Right? (laughs) There's an element here that the writer says community is supposed to be aggressive. Here's what this means. If we have to, we will drive to your house so that we can go to God. So that we can go to God. And why does the writer say we're going to God? Because he says we have a full heart of assurance. Full heart of assurance, knowing that we've been cleaned and sprinkled clean from our evil conscience and washed with pure water. What does that even mean? I'll tell you the reason why I think people give up. The reason why I feel like giving up sometimes. I think sometimes it's the evil conscience, what the writer says there, because we feel bad. People feel bad. I mentioned it earlier. Hey, we've been following Jesus and, and maybe we aren't as far along as we thought we should have been. We keep falling into the same sin habit. When are we going to break this? When are we going to change? Man, is God really hearing me? Man, God must help those who, who help themselves. And, and we just feel bad. We feel shame. And we feel like giving up. First John 3.20 says that, When our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. Here's what that means. No matter how you feel, God still loves you. God's approval of you has nothing to do with how you feel or your performance, but has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross. That's what it's anchored to. So no matter how we feel, God remains constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful. God is forever smiling on you. God is looking down on you and he loves you. I just need somebody to help me sometimes remember that. So let us go to God, church. Let us go to God. The second thing that we can do is in verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The next thing that we can do if we feel like giving up. Let us live with hope. Let us Live with hope. What is the writer saying here? He's saying, hey, we have hope because he who promised is faithful. It's the promise versus the promiser. A promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. Youth, I can make you a promise today that I'm going to give you a million dollars. Don't get excited. I cannot deliver, right? But God, because he is faithful, because he's the one making the promises, that's what makes the promises good. So let's not get so caught up in focusing on the promises that we forget the one who makes the promises in the first place. We always have hope. Hope is always available. Here's what this means. In life, we have hope. In death, we have hope. In darkness, we have hope. In times of joy, we have hope. Hope is always available. You know how one of the ways that we can sabotage our hope 
I believe we can sabotage our hope with our mouths. The writer says the confession of our hope. We can sabotage our hope with what we're saying. What are we saying, church? Are we going around saying, man, life sucks. I can't stand my job. My family's dysfunctional. Things are never going to get better. The proverbial flower thing we did as kids, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. We got to stop saying some of this stuff. It's sabotaging our hope. When my mouth wants to sabotage my hope, what I need is somebody to step in and say, Tevin, no, let us live with hope. Here's what that means. I need somebody to come in and say, Tevin, remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is going to work all things together for the good of those who love him. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The Lord is your shepherd, Tevin. Remember that. Cast your cares on God because he cares for you. I need someone who's going to speak hope into my life. When I hear that, I think about the story of Paul and Silas. You guys remember Paul and Silas? They were in the prison cell. They'd been locked up because Paul decided to call out this little girl who was annoying him. And if I'm Silas, if I put myself in the story, if I'm Silas, I'm a little upset with Paul, right? Because the girl wasn't that annoying. But Paul, you had to say something. So now here we are. We've been stripped naked. We're in chains and shackles. We're sitting in a dark, cold prison cell. Paul, this is on you. And I put myself in the story and my imagination goes that one of them started to, wanted to sing a song. And if I'm Silas, I'm like, no, Paul, you sing. Because you got to send this in the first place. You sing and I'll listen. And I believe that in my imagination thinks that what happened and what started as a little hum, hmm, 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 ended up turning into words coming out. And, and then the worship service broke out in a dark cell and the prison walls shook and then they're set free. Now, that hope that they had, the joy that they had, had nothing to do with their circumstances. It had nothing to do with the chains and shackles that would have been on their bodies. It had nothing to do with them sitting in a dark, cold cell naked because they were stripped of their clothes. But it has everything to do with the joy and the hope that lives inside of them. And church, I'm here to tell you today, that same hope lives inside of us. It lives inside of us. We just have to stir it up in one another. Let us live with hope. Let us be people of hope. Hope is always there. Hope is always available. The last thing that we can do, we feel like giving up. First, let us go to God. Let us live with hope. And the last thing that we can do in verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The last thing that we can do is let us encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. Now, it's important we remember who this writer is saying this to. He's talking to a bunch of Jews who are being persecuted for their faith. Remember, people are unfollowing them on Facebook. People are posting mean things about them on Snapchat and Instagram. They're being persecuted. They're being beaten for their faith in Jesus by others who have not yet followed him. And this is what the writer says. He could have said anything in this. He's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. He says, encourage somebody else. Think of somebody else. If I put myself in that story, if I'm being honest, if I'm one of these Jews and I hear that, I'm a little frustrated because it's like, encourage somebody else? What about my family? What about my friends? We're the ones being beaten. We're the ones being made fun of. We're the ones being mocked. You want me to encourage somebody else? What about my encouragement? 
I think we can relate to that. We can come into a room like this or go out each week and think to ourselves, man, nobody ever encourages me. Nobody ever reaches out to me. I stand in the middle of the foyer every Sunday and my hand's sticking out like this. Nobody ever shakes it. Nope. I even put a name tag on. They can't see it. Nobody ever shoots me a text message of encouragement. Nobody ever celebrates me on social media. Nobody ever leaves me a voicemail just to be kind and considerate. The writer says something here. He says, encouragement is supposed to be intentional. And for those who have decided to follow Jesus, here's what this means. When we get together, the writer says we should have already thought of ways of how to encourage one another. Encouragement is intentional. We should have already thought of ways. Should have already thought. And I love how the message translation says it says, be inventive, be creative. How you encourage one another. Now, we can find something about everybody. You know, I'm standing here and I can see Logan and Mackenzie Heath. And I, I love seeing on Facebook, you guys are now having a baby. And I remember the prayers and all the prayers of the group going into that and the struggle. And now God has blessed you guys with a baby. And I'm inspired to see what God has done through you guys and continue to see you grow as parents. And God is good. Youth, every single week, I stand right over there and I look over and I see you guys leading us in worship. And two of you guys are on the platform leading us in worship. What I want you to know is that just like Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody look down upon you because of your youth. You keep trusting in Jesus. You keep following him. You trust in God. You're not the leaders. You're not the leaders of tomorrow. You're the leaders of today. That's what encouragement looks like. And in a room like this, we can find something about everybody. We don't have to make it up. Man, you, you look the best. Every single week, you have the best clothes. Man, your jawline is just amazing, right? <laughs> we can find something about everybody, right? Encouragement is supposed to be intentional. You know, with the fall season, part of the fall season is football is back. Thank God football's back, right? And every single week, and what's part of the game, every single year, it, it happens. Part of the game is that injuries happen. Players get hurt. Can't avoid it. And every single week when I watch this or every year when I watch this, without doubt, somebody gets hurt. And if the injury is severe enough, you see, you see the training staff circle the players trying to figure out what's going on. And if it's really severe, you'll see, you'll see the team leave the sidelines and they circle this player on the field. They go to where the pain is. They go to where the person is hurt. And as they're helping the player up and putting them on a card or helping them off the field, you see teammates walk over and give them hugs and pat them on the helmet and just encouraging them. And then you hear the post-game interview and they say, we, we dedicate this win to our teammate because we knew he wanted to be out here. We played for him. That motivated us. We did it for him. And I see that every single week. And I thought to myself, man, if a football team needs that kind of unity and that kind of encouragement to win just a championship and there'll be a new champion next year and the year after. How much more so do we need encouragement as believers as we're following Jesus in this life? How much more encouragement do we need? It changes things. It changes things. Instead of coming in and saying, you know what, I'm limping. Somebody better do something for me. It changes things. It says, even though I'm limping, I'm going to find somebody to encourage today. What if we were that kind of community? We were that kind of community that we, we gave out encouragement. We loved one another. We served one another. We didn't give up on one another. I believe out of the entire world, Jesus followers should be the most encouraging. We should be the most encouraging people around. 
And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that that's what this world needs today. That's what this world needs today. As I close, for some of you in this room right now, your next step may be to need to join into a group, to join in relationship, to take a step and get in community. Jesus said that he will build his church. Church is not just a Sunday gathering. It's a group of people who have been called out to do life together and follow Jesus together. And for you, you might need to take the step and say, I'm going to share my life with others and join a group. What I want you to hear me say is, I don't think that group is the only place where relationships can happen and spiritual growth can happen and where you can find community. I believe it's one of the best ways. I believe it's a great start. But what I want you to hear me say is you need somebody. You need somebody. We were not called to do this alone. You need two or three or four, five people that where you can sit with them and you can be known and where they can know you and you know others. If we're going to follow Jesus together, we have to do this together. We've got to be in community. I mean, we live in a culture that says be an individual, brand yourself. Relationships are nothing more than just used for networking and to advance your own agenda. It's not working, church. There's more depression. There's more anxiety. There's more loneliness and more disconnection. Marriages are more broken and kids are hurting even more. There's more pain and more division. It's not working. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world? The life he always wanted to live for himself, yet in the process lose his soul. No, church, let's not live that way. Let's live with open hands and think of others. Consider others. Let's live for one another. What if we were that kind of community? What if in 2020, we were the kind of community that to give up in this place, to give up in this church, in this community, you're going to have to be an escape artist. You're going to have to be Houdini himself to give up on us because we're going to love so hard. We're going to serve so hard. We're going to give to one another so hard. Jesus says, I, I give you a peace, not as the world gives you peace. What does he mean when he says that? In the time of the Roman Empire, they had peace for them because of war, because of violence. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, not by violence, not by wars, but through grace and truth and love. The Bible says that we'll be known for how we love one another. That's how people will know, and that's a telltale sign that we're following Jesus. Is that when it starts to come out and we start caring for people and, and things like listening starts to happen, what would happen if right after this, you, you and some friends went to lunch and you sat at a table or this week in group, you sat in a circle and you said, hey, there's nothing that you can say. There's nothing that you can do that's going to push me away. If you need something, you call me. If you need prayer, you call me at any point during the day. If you need somebody to come and sit with you when you're at home, I will come and sit with you. If you need somebody to come with you and drive you to work because you're so anxious, I will drive you to work if I have to. What if we were that kind of community? We love not as the world loves. We gave not as the world gives. And for some of you in the room today, God may be asking you, to open up your heart 
and begin to lead others. What would it look like? I believe in a room this size, and we had a room of this size at 915. What would happen? I believe in a room like this, there's a lot that we can give. What would happen if we live with open hands and we said, God has blessed me tremendously as a business leader. God has blessed me so much as a, as a godly parent, or he's blessed our marriage in ways that we can't even fathom. And instead of living like this and keeping it to ourselves, what if we say, hey, I want to live like this. I want to be a place. I want to create a a space for people to come who are hurting and looking for community, looking for relationship. I talked to a couple this past week and the husband called me. He said, hey, I got something good to tell you. And I was like, what's up? I get texts sometimes. It's like, hey, Tevin, you got time to talk. And sometimes I go worst case scenario. He said, it's all good. It's all good. I promise. He said, me and my wife have been praying. We've been thinking, hey, maybe God is calling us to, to lead, to lead others. I said, man, that's awesome. Like, what what led you to this? And he said, you know, we were talking and we just thought to ourselves, man, we we know what group has meant for us and we know what it's been in our lives and how it strengthened our marriage and how we've had people pray for us and we had a baby and people were there with food and meal trains and to celebrate with us and love us and care for us and serve us. And we just want to do the same for others. And I I heard that and I was just on the phone and I was outside. I was just like, "That's, that's it. These friendships that they have found within the body of Christ aren't just friendships because of proximity. They're friendships because we have so freely received this free gift of forgiveness from Jesus. If we have freely been given it, let us freely give it out. Let us consider one another. Let us let us go to God together. Let us live with hope and let us encourage one another, church. I truly believe we are better together. Will you stand with me? God, we... We thank you for what you did on Calvary. It is the only reason that we are standing here today. We can't do it alone. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't will it. Jesus, we need you. And I pray leaving this place, we would not be the same that we will be changed for eternity. That we will open up your word and see how you love us and, and how that love should propel us to love others and to be there for one another. And I pray that it would change our hearts as we leave this place. That we will be more encouraging. That we will live with more hope. That we would, we would think of others and, and consider others better than ourselves. That we would just give to one another, not as the world gives. And that you will be put on display. That your glory will be shown through this house, through these people, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And everybody said, amen.